this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So this week we are continuing in our series, and it's titled Stan. And it's a series that is based around what I believe is one of the foundational questions of life. And that is simply this, what are you standing upon? What is the foundation of your life? What, what gives you hope? What, what guides your direction? What, what gives you strength in the midst of whatever life may throw at you? Because I think it's, it's out of this question that everything else of life begins to grow. Uh, what our behavior becomes? What are our convictions? What is it that we will take a stand for? And so I hope that through this series, that you continue to come back and begin to reflect and begin to ask yourself this question. What is the foundation of my life? What am I standing upon? To, to help guide our conversations, we're, we're jumping back into the Old Testament where we're, we're looking at the story of Daniel. Now, Daniel lived at a time where things were not going well for the people of God. The, the Babylonians had conquered and completely wiped them out. They had destroyed their city. They had destroyed their homes. They had essentially plundered the entire temple. And in addition to this, they began taking a number of God's people off into exile. Daniel being one of them. And it's in this moment that the king makes a further decision that he is going to take the best, the brightest, those who come from royal or noble homes and begin to use them in his service. It's essentially an act of not only wiping out their Jewish identity, but wiping out their trust and dependence upon God. He changes their names. He gives them a new language. They begin to train them in new ways. And it's here that we're introduced to the person of Daniel. And we begin to see what ultimately the foundation of his life was. And that was his trust and dependence upon God. And as we looked at last week, we began to notice that for Daniel, his belief in God began to shape his behavior. That it wasn't just a foundation he had, but rather it began to shape his beliefs. One of the few perks for Daniel in having everything else removed from him was that he was going to be given great food, the, the very food that the king would eat, amazing wine, amazing food. But Daniel, we're told in the first chapter, refuses to eat it. He's going to settle for vegetables and water. Why? Because he doesn't want to defile his body. We don't know the exact reason, but ultimately it's because of his convictions. It's because of his faith in God that he is going to take a stand. This week, I want to jump back into the story because there's an incredible subtlety that speaks volumes into who Daniel was that how his faith not only shaped his belief and his behavior, but it began to shape his posture. Think about it for a moment. I'm sure for all of us, there are times where we take a stand, where we hold a position. But have we ever considered how important our posture is as well? That absolutely we may, we may have a position, we may take a stand, but what is our posture in responding to others? Particularly, to those to whom they may disagree. I'm sure we've all been in those moments, in those circumstances, in those situations where we have seen cringe-worthy posture, 
right? Where someone takes a stand, but they come across so obnoxious, so, so arrogant, so judgmental, so belittling that even if you almost agree with their position, you kind of want to distance yourself from them because their posture is completely distracting from what their position may be. This can happen in many walks of life. We see it in, in politics. We see it in social media. But let's not be naive. Too often we see it within churches, within individuals who claim to follow in the ways of Jesus, that, that they take a stand and they feel as if simply because they are standing with God that their posture doesn't matter. But we know it does. We know so often it's our posture that really creates an opportunity as to whether people even listen to what our position may be. So this week, I want to jump back into the story of Daniel, back into chapter one, and begin to see not only how Daniel had a foundation upon God, and not only how that foundation shaped his belief and his behavior, but it shaped his posture, his attitude towards others. So let's jump into Daniel chapter one beginning with verse 7. It says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test this for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. As we start to look at the person of Daniel, we see that not only was his foundation upon the faithfulness of God, and not only was Daniel willing to take a stand and not compromise, but, but what's important not to be missed was his posture in the midst of of it all. Did you catch it? There was no sense of rudeness or arrogance. Rather, Daniel, even in his language, when he goes to the attendant, he uses the word please. He doesn't just suddenly make his demand. He just doesn't suddenly stomp his feet and say, I refuse. No, no. He has a conversation with the attendant. He, Daniel realizes that he's putting the attendant in a particularly difficult circumstance. And so, he compromises. He says, listen, listen, just test us for 10 days. Only give us water and vegetables. And then at the end of the 10 days, take a look at us. See how we compare to the others. And then you make the decision. It wasn't combative. It wasn't obnoxious. 
It wasn't over the top. The second thing that's interesting about, about Daniel's posture is that he was making a request only for himself and three others. He wasn't making a demand that everyone else must follow in his ways. He said, just test us. Let, let the others eat the choice food, drink the great wine. This is what we want to do. It's rather interesting, rather refreshing, that when Daniel took a position, he didn't take a position expecting everyone else to follow the same way. He says, no, this is, this is what God is putting upon my heart. And this is how I am going to live. We begin to see one of these key characteristics in Daniel. That not only was his foundation upon God, not only was he a person that allowed his belief to shape his behavior, but when he took a stand, he did so in a way that was not only honoring to God, but it was honoring to others, even those with whom he would disagree with. So what was it? What, what's that characteristic that enables us to take a posture, to take an approach when we stand on a position that, that doesn't make us obnoxious, that doesn't make us over the top, that doesn't make our actions cringeworthy to others. We're given an incredible glimpse into Daniel's life in, in Daniel chapter 2. It's at a time where the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has this dream that is tormenting him. He's unable to sleep. And so he calls his wise men, the magicians, the, the enchanters, the, the astrologers, and he tells them, you need to interpret this dream for me. But there's a catch. The king says, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. I mean, imagine the wise men. They're probably looking around the room thinking, you, you've got to be kidding us, king. Like, tell us what the dream is, and then we'll interpret it for you. Well, the king refuses. And the wise men are like, we, king, we can't help you. We, we don't have those abilities. And the king, who obviously is not a reasonable individual, gets incredibly upset and orders that all the wise men, all the magicians, all the astrologers will be put to death. Yeah, nice guy, eh? And that includes Daniel. So what does Daniel do? Again, we see that in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of everything else, now he's going to be put to death over something he has no control over, seemingly. He goes back to his foundation, his trust in God. He begins to pray and, and ask God for mercy to reveal this dream to him. And amazingly, God does. In, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, we, we see this incredible response from Daniel. Uh, we don't have time to jump into it today, but, but maybe make this an opportunity for you this week to begin to read it over, to see how this can become a part of your life as well. And so Daniel takes what God has given to him and goes to the king. But as he interprets this dream, telling the king not only what the dream was, but what it means, look at his posture. Now, if you're wondering kind of what was this dream, you kind of got us on the edges of our seat. Listen, listen, you're going to have to hold on for a couple more weeks. Or you can go home and read chapter, Daniel chapter 2 on your own. But we're going to jump into it because this dream is amazing. Because not only did it have an impact upon Daniel, but it has an impact upon us as well. But that's in two weeks. Notice what Daniel says to the king because it's in his response to the king after he's interpreted this dream that we start to see how Daniel had a God-honoring posture. Daniel 2, verse 27 and 30, we read this. 
It says, Daniel, Daniel says, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. It's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Daniel does something amazing. Not only does he again yet make a stand for God, he does it with incredible humility. I mean, the, the king would have been blown away at what Daniel did. What an opportunity for Daniel to kind of take the praise and say, yeah, yeah, I'm the best, I'm the brightest. What, what do you expect? No, no, no. He pushes the praise back to God. I believe that if we want to have a posture that is honoring to God, it starts with humility. It starts with understanding that there's going to be times in our lives, in life, and because of our faith, where we are going to have to take a stand, where we are going to hold a position where others may not agree with us. But the question is not just simply, will we take a stand, but will we do so with humility in a way that's not arrogant, not judgmental, not obnoxious, not over the top? I mean, think of Daniel's circumstance for a moment. He is able to be humble in the midst of a nation that has conquered the Jewish people, has completely changed his name, is attempting to wipe out his identity. Yet even in this moment, he continues to be humble. And so what about you? What about me? I know our lives are not the same as Daniel. But we find ourselves in circumstances and in situations where we take positions, where we hold on to beliefs. And not everyone is going to agree with us. It's in these moments that humility is brought into play. How do we respond to people who disagree with us? There's there's so many places we could turn as examples, but I think one of the one that is so obvious and is so top of mind is the last two years. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of all the struggles and, and the discouragements, in the midst of all the damage that is being done, people have taken positions, people have taken stands because we realize the damage economically and, and physically, but do we start to realize the damage that COVID can, can do to people relationally, and it's not because of the virus. It's because of our posture, the inability to, to hold a position, yet not do it in a way that, that is going to attack others. I see more and more in my conversations with people, we begin to see the division within our communities, within our churches, and even within families. We're considered that it's one thing to hold a position, but we also need a posture that honors God by respecting others. This past fall, I was approached by someone in our community asking me to, to sign an exemption for them, that as a pastor in a church, that this is what they needed. And, and they were in dire straits. They were at a place where they were potentially going to lose their job. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll chat with you. And send me over the forms. When I started to read through the forms, I realized 
that my position was different from theirs. And that I was going to sign off on a position that I didn't agree with. It was in that moment that I was convicted in two ways. First conviction was to stand up for for my position. But the second conviction, which was almost stronger than the first, was in my posture, in my response to the others. Not to be judgmental, not to be obnoxious, not not, not to be arrogant, but rather to act with compassion, to show love, to be humble and respectful. Now, it doesn't mean that I I sided with them. We, to this day, continue to disagree. But I was reminded again of just the importance of posture. The reality is this, is that long after COVID, even during this, we are still called to be witnesses for God. And although not everyone's going to agree with our positions, is our posture becoming so distracting that people don't even want to listen to what we have to say? Humility in the early church was was a top priority for Jesus and his followers. The Apostle Paul, speaking to a, a group of Christians in Ephesus, said this, Speak truth in love. And there's the amazing balance that we have between position and posture, truth in love. Uh, A lot of times we want to kind of camp out on one of them. We think, well, in order to be loving, I I can't really share my position, but that's not what Paul is asking. Or we may think, well, I have this position and, and because I'm standing with God or I believe I'm standing with God, that it doesn't really matter how I behave. And Paul is like, no, 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 no. That's not the reality. We speak truth in love. Why? Why? Because we are followers of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 11 says this, take my yoke upon me. Let me teach you. Why? Because I am humble and gentle at heart. As a church, there are going to be times where we are going to take a stand, where there are going to be positions where where others may not agree with us, but we always need to remember what is our posture. As a church, we continue to talk about being for Paris. And that speaks more to our posture than it does our position. Because I get it, I realize, not everyone is going to agree with us. Sometimes in terms of our our positions around COVID or or how we respond. Or it could be on other things in terms of our understanding of of Jesus. Or it could be our conversations around, around war or on sex. You pick the topic. But when we have a position, ultimately, what is our posture? And the real test is in how we respond to those to whom we disagree with significantly. Do we show them respect, humility, and love? This week, this week, as you continue to think upon these questions, as you continue to think, How does your faith impact your life? Let me leave you with this. What is your posture? Are you acting in a way that is respecting others and honoring Jesus? Even if they don't agree with you, 
Even if they respond in unhelpful and unhealthy ways towards you, how do we continue to live out our faith? Because it's not just simply enough to think, well, well, I'm in the right, I'm standing with Jesus, and then treat other people like crap. God calls us to a better way. It's a way that Daniel understood. It's a way that Jesus lived out. The question is, what about you? If I can leave you with three words, let me leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Truth in love. Truth in love. It means that as a follower of Jesus, we're going to stand for truth. But we're going to do so with love. I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe it means you, you take a bit of a pause from social media because it's hard to be loving often in that sphere. Maybe it means in terms of how you, how you respond to colleagues or how you spread with family members or, or even how you respond to, to other people within your church or in your community who might disagree with you. How do you take a posture that actually creates an opportunity to have further conversations? How do you create a posture that actually enables you to show and share the love of God with them? I know this. It's not through arrogance or being obnoxious or judging others. It's in holding your position, but doing so in a way that respects, loves, and is humble. Continue to join us as we ultimately jump back into the story of Daniel and to see not only how his faith was in God, but how that played out into his life as well. This week, three words, truth in love, truth in love. Let's pray together. So Lord God, we are perhaps in this moment struggling with all that is going on. Perhaps there's people in our community or on our social media feed, or even within our family, with whom we disagree with. Perhaps today's the day where we got to step back a little bit and realize that we have not been honoring to you and loving to others in our posture towards those with whom we disagree. And so forgive us, Lord Jesus. Perhaps it's a a good wake-up call for us as we move forward and continue to see the tension rising too often. How can we respond in a way that honors you, Jesus? Where we stand for you, but we do so in love. Guide us and direct us, we pray. For we ask all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty, the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the comfort and the humility of the Holy Spirit be in you this day and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. Hi again, this is Leah. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. 
Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.